Well, good morning. That was um, Midnight Oil run by night, of course, and you're with Margaret O'Connor on Community Matters. Listen, I do apologise. Normally, I crack the show off at uh, nine o'clock in the morning, but this morning, life interfered, and um, we're having a fresh start at 10 o'clock this morning. So welcome, everybody. Gorgeous, windy September day, and uh, I am really thrilled. Do you know, we're very blessed. We've got a, a cracking um, newspaper in Urala. I'll be talking to Louis Van Eckert at 11 o'clock about their latest edition. But we've got an incredible um, op- privilege, really, to have the Armadale Times running in, um, in and around Armadale but covering the New England region news and views. And, um, you know, a, 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 a very close, clear eye on the on the politics, I think, um, is what the Armadale Times presents. And I'm really delighted to have the editor, or one of the editors, uh, producer... Uh, publisher. Publisher, Rod Wise <laughs> of the Armadale Times um, in the studio with me. And uh, good morning, Rod. Good morning, Margaret. And welcome, and uh, thanks for putting up. Oh, well, I suppose uh, we always want to schedule you round about 10 o'clock. In well, the morning? I, I sleep in. I'm, I'm getting old. I'm getting tired. <laughs> oh, no, never admit that. <laughs> no, Rod, you're doing a fantastic job. And look, what we're going to do this morning, just to um, lead off the show, the show will be going to 12 o'clock um, with the 12 o'clock news. We'll be crossing over to that and then the current affairs show, The Wire, um, at a little bit after that news bulletin. So, look, there's plenty of interesting um, things in the next two hours and I really welcome you. Rod, we welcome you. You've got a cracking front page. <coughs> it's a cracker of a front page. It uh, is. Uh, I might say at this stage, we've, the front page has a small article on the council and a, and we have a very large article on the council on page three, which is the second part of our uh, sort of what you might call our mid-term report card on the council. Now, I won't go into that. Mm. Uh, I think that's that's a treat for someone to find... Oh, we, we can we can talk oh, about a little, little bit. bit. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> what I really want to say <coughs> is mm. that there are... we Well, what prompted this comment I'm about to make is I got a, an email from a, from a reader uh, last night who complimented us, I think, tongue-in-cheek on the front page article on... Uh, uh, Thomas Mayo, mm. and and presume that in the next issue we'll 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 equally highlight the no campaign. Mm. So I got to think thinking about what we were all about, mm. and and I and I what I said to him in reply was, look, if we were a sixteen-page-plus paper and a major mm. media player, uh, we would obviously have to do that. That would be our duty to provide both mm. sides or more sides. There might be three or four sides mm. to any issue. But in this case, we're only a four-page A4 publication. Mm. And the way we approach it didn't evolve from any decision that we made, even though Ginny, that she's the editor, my wife. Yeah, and, and I, I keep I, getting that wrong, and I do apologise, Ginny. Ginny's <laughs> yes. the editor, Rod's the publisher. That's right, yes. And Rod's, do, Rod's with me body. here in the studio. I'm, I do the, I'm the dog's body. Oh, you're the dog's body. Good on yeah. you. <laughs> and anyway... Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, about the yes, no. <coughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I said that we we were basic. It was basically the readership that drove us down the path that we took. We mm. had no clear idea, other than the fact that both of us were very experienced in newspapers. Yep. Uh, when the 
Express closed down its physical publication. We mm. we were at a loose end. We lived up here for seven or eight years, mm. and uh, we Jenny has long history. Well, in you this. just have this wealth of experience yeah, in she talent. Goes, she goes. <laughs> her family goes back to the nineteen twenties here. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I've been up here many many times in previous mm. uh, guises, so we have a very strong connection to this mm. area. But we we basically were sort of basically supervising our kids, and then this. This vacuum appeared, so yeah. we said, well, why don't we run a newspaper just to fill up the, what little idle time we have? So we did. But it was what we encountered, which mm. it was our... The, the, the way that if you compare what we are now with what we were three years ago, mm. that change has been community-driven. Yep. What we found is at least 25% of the population here, probably more, mm. probably something like 35 to 40%, mm. have absolutely no voice Whatsoever, no mm. one's interested in them except when it comes to dunging them with higher rates. Mm. No one's remotely interested in what they have to say. There's a very small coterie of people here, perhaps two thousand people at the most, who've got things sewn up very nicely the way it is, mm. and they're not about to share it with anyone else. Mm. And that's what we we became the port of call for people saying. We're, we're being treated really badly. Mm. I had I had a phone call from a guy the other day, who who I won't say what the issue is because people will know immediately what it is. Mm. But he's been treated by the council in 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 a way which is totally different from someone else who's in exactly the same position as him. Uh, and okay. he can't he can't get to first base. He said, Can you do anything <coughs> about it? Well I said we could write an article, but I said, that'll just vanish into the ether. Mm. I said, you've, what you've got to do, you've got to find out whether the council's got the power mm. to say what they want you to believe they have. Mm. They want you to believe they have a certain power mm. to do this to you, mm. and you've got to find it. You've got to put your money in your hand in your pocket and go and see someone and mm. say, what's the law here? Yeah. Who's got the power? If I got the power, or have they got the power? Yeah. But, I mean, the point I'm making is not that particular case mm. but people are gravitating to us because there's a vacuum here yeah i see what you're saying so there's 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 a voice there's a cry in the wilderness i guess for people to, exactly. to take to take notice um and one of the things in in the three years has been you've noticed that that cry's not being heard by local government it's not being heard mm. i and i think this this is accentuated Look, since the election of this council I mean, it was yeah. pretty hot what viv may did mm. in, in making when he was only the administrator making mm. the rail trail council policy and therefore mm. circumscribing what people could say subsequently about it, mm. that was pretty hot. But mm. I think the hottest thing started almost immediately after the election of this council, which has really demoralised a lot of people in the community, mm. first of all, kicking the public out of the briefing sessions, and then and it was done very, very, very by your good self, actually, when you're on the mm. council. Well, I, I've got to make a declaration here. Most most of my listeners would probably know that I am an elected councillor yeah. on the Armadale uh, Council, but I um, I have I have sort of a code that I've got to abide by yes. in respect of that role. When I'm here at the radio station, I have a completely different um, role, yeah. and that's the role I'm in at the moment. But I'm I'm delighted for any public comment yeah. on the council that I'm. Well, in I'd, another I'd capacity advise people on. to go back mm. to the, and it's all up on the net, you can call it up and live stream it, mm. from the February uh, council meeting last year. 
when the issue of whether in fact the rail trail had community support mm. came up and it was forensically, forensically picked apart that it had no support mm. whatsoever and what's more there was a lot of murky fiddling with words and fiddling with numbers mm. and it, it started off from there and then it got worse and worse and I think, I think the low point was reached uh, with the SRV mm. uh, when people were asked to offered their comments on it and hundreds offered their comments saying mm. they didn't like it mm. and that was just dismissed mm. that was and i was i was actually and it takes a lot to gobsmack me but i was gobsmacked mm. when i heard some councillors saying well we will interpret all those people who didn't write in as supporting us mm. and i think from that point on people realized that they couldn't go to the council and be dealt with fairly mm. and there's been numerous instances since then like the mm the advertising for the book fair and that sort of thing. It's really got kind of out of control. And so what I'm getting back to is that the kind of position we take isn't because of a vendetta mm. by the Armadale Times against the council. It's just that people are coming to us saying, what the hell can we do? You know, these yes. things are happening to us. Yes. What can we do? Thank so you. we're Thank obliged, that, we're obliged to write it up. Yep. yep. And we will continue to do so. And I'm flowing on from that. This is the only issue on which you could say that we've actually emerged and shown our hand, and that is because there is no group in this in Armadale who has less voice than the Indigenous people mm. who live here. There are absolutely no voice. Mm. So I suppose you could say that we've. This is the first time that we've come out and we're sort of saying, well, we're going to support you people. Mm. Yeah, we're going to support the voice and we're going to be unequivocal about it. We don't feel we have, have any obligation to, to oh. run the no-camp. No they seem to get plenty of, plenty of air time themselves to run the no-camp. Oh. They, they don't need any help from us. Oh. But the people who, particularly the people themselves, not so much the spokesmen, not so much the Megan Davises on TV oh. and those sort of people, oh. or the, uh, uh, but the people... But they want they want a voice too. Everyone wants a voice, especially when things impact on them really hard, harshly. harshly yeah. They impact on them harshly, and no one will listen to they. No one wants wants to listen to them because mm. it suits the powers that be, quote unquote, in whatever venue, that things be made as easy as and smoothly as possible for them. Mm. But anyway, so that's why uh, we des we decided to lead with the. Uh, uh, the visit to Armadale of Thomas Mayo. Well, I think Thomas Mayo's visit to... I mean, he's been travelling around for six years now since mm. the Uluru Statement from the Hire. Yeah. And, um, I mean, our our radio station, we're looking for a no person to balance sure. the interview well, that we did. Sure, you have to, yeah. Um, and we're looking to do that before... Well, we now know that the referendum date is the 14th of yeah. October. So we've got a little bit of time up our sleeve to do that. But... Um, I mean, it's a big event, I think, to pack the town hall, and that's well, exactly what happened. It would have happened. been four or 500 people there. Mm, yes. Easy. Yep. Now, we, uh, I interviewed him just before that town hall meeting. Right. And I asked, and the structure, this is very unlike what we do, but mm. the structure of that interview was I, fa I, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and, and got the what I thought were about the nine most important questions yep. that people would, would want to ask. Mm. So it's it's done in a Q and A format, and we just let him talk. And the thing about it was, you couldn't be more clear 
about what he says. And the only thing I would add to what he said is that he is the he is one of the nicest people I have ever met they've, in my life. They've chosen very well, haven't they? I oh, mean, the, to, well, they did the, or not. The ambassador he's is... He's just a wharfie from Darwin. He's a wharfie from Darwin, but he's a man with a very soft, softly spoken, yep. generous, um, generous disposition, yeah. I was watching him. There was the first question that was asked at the meeting... I thought it was a very abrasive question. I mm. whispered to Ginny, I said, Jesus, ouch. I said, but this is the question that's got to be asked because that's mm. that, that question is the core of the no campaign. Forget uh, all uh, the racist I'll, garbage. I'll, re I'll recap just a tiny bit because I was there as well. And um, that question was basically along the lines of, uh, Who it was do you coming, think you are? It was coming from a no-case no, pers no case yep. perspective and it was basically saying you Aborigines or you Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have a cultural problem. It's not a legal problem, it's a cultural problem. What You need culture to fix it up. Basically, it's your problem, you fix it. Yep. Um, which is, in fact, really what Aboriginal people who are proposing the voice are saying. We want the right to fix our own problems. But... Um, so it was a rather, it was a sort of negative, put downy sort of question, but it was a good question. It was a good question. It was um, an important you know, question. And, and Mayo dealt with it by saying, well, actually, I don't think it is altogether cultural. Yeah. Mm. But uh, I thought he, he handled that brilliantly, I think. Mm. And the funny thing was, I, I could see that he was keeping his cool and that sort of mm. thing. And then the following day, Jenny said to me, he nearly blew his stack at that question. I said, how do you know? I said, he didn't see me. She said, she said, only a woman can say this. She said, he, he <laughs> called the question a mate. And I said, in that context, to call someone mate like that mm. is not a friendly gesture. It's not a gesture oh, of mateship. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but anyway, if we might move on, Margaret. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, so, so the front page has got really, um, if you want to know the, the structure of the Yes campaign from the horse's mouth, if you like, who's the nominated um, representative, I guess, of the Allura Statement from the Heart, yeah. then Thomas May is the one. So that's on the front page. Um, and you've got a little piece there. Um, about council fees. About council councillors' um, remuneration, yes. really. Yeah. And um, the fact that in the July meeting, um, councillors voted for the maximum remuneration mm. increase, which is, I think, was a three percent increase. I didn't know. I didn't know that. In fact, there was a scale mm. uh, for. Or the, I didn't know until I wrote that, that that across the state, the state is divided up into certain categories, and the category that Armadale is in mm. is called regional centres, I think, mm. and it says a scale, a minimum and a maximum. Yeah. <laughs> I found out that Armadale pays its councillors the maximum. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. But it didn't matter, really. I think the point we were making was uh, it looked pretty hot after mm. the rate increase. Mm. I think I think it's a really good point to make. I don't know whether to comment or not. I think I won't. No. Um, but um, I wouldn't want you to. No. <laughs> but it's a point well made, and I think it's something that the community sh should be aware of. That the the level of um, councillors' remuneration. I I may be coming at it from a. No, I'm not coming at it from any angle. I'm just saying I think it's important for the community not to know that. And there it is on the front page, so that's great. It is, yep. yes. And there's there's a pointer from there to the part <coughs> two of the council report card on page three, mm. which goes, which makes reference to that, and uh, and various various other matters. Mm. Mm. Now that 
page three, you've got, uh, it's entitled question mark, how much out of 10 councillor report card part two. And look, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a fair, um, somewhat uh, critical, but it's nevertheless a fair um, perspective on how the community would be um, perceiving this particular council. Every oh, council and all the councillors must be judged. That must I be. Think. That must mm. be. You know, one of the council, one of the councillors, uh, spelled it out. He, he just, and I won't name the councillor, mm. but in all the meeting, mm. but he said we've been appointed to be the leaders of this community, and I thought, well, it'd be, it'd be nice if those who I don't re recall the act says that you're the leaders of the community. I think the act says something about you representing the community. But anyway, that's beside the point. But uh, I do want to talk about the uh, the article on page two about Trains North. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that's a meeting that I didn't go to. That, that was an, not the inaugural meeting of Trains North, which we've covered. That's the community body that wants to re-establish the railway line and rail freight and passenger services between Armadale and the Queensland border. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess I better declare myself um, in another capacity. <laughs> I actually uh, prepared that report on yes. that meeting. Yep. Yes, and it's, it's got a couple of points in there <coughs> that I think are really very... I'm, when I read it, I was sorry I hadn't gone to the meeting. I was actually burnt out. Mm. I didn't want another meeting <laughs> to go to. Oh, I, I can certainly relate to that feeling. Oh, I was totally burnt out. <laughs> yes. And fortunately, you bobbed up and wrote the article for us. Mm -hmm. But anyway... <coughs> The two points that uh, that came out were that uh, the David Peters, the fellow who wants to build the uh, food food preserving uh, yeah. facility in Guyra, employing 135 people. Mm -hmm. Let me repeat that: 135 people. That's right. Uh, is still trying to get there and not getting any encouragement from the powers that be. And the other thing is that Matthew Tierney, who we have interviewed about how the, train, the campaign that he in particular waged in the early 90s to restore the trains from Tamworth to Armidale, we, we interviewed him about that. Mm. But he subsequently became the chairman of Trains North when it was inaugurated. Mm -hmm. And he said here, he added that the New South Wales government is deliberately mapping an empty space in the New England, notwithstanding the excellent existing excellent rail infrastructure including the northern line to Queensland and despite it being currently protected by law. Now I think that is the most pertinent thing in the paper, in the whole issue of the paper I believe, mm -hmm. because that would, if that's true, if in fact, if in fact the New South Wales government, whether it's New South Wales government as such or the last coalition government and then the Labor Party just tails along afterwards because it means they wanted to spend money, so they hide behind that. I don't know what the truth is. But if, in fact, it's true, it explains everything that I've been scratching my head about, why people have been pushing these bizarre issues, like you can have a rail trail without ripping up the railway line, mm. so why are they pressing on? Mm. Why are they trying to block David Peters, who's going to bring 135 jobs, if your perspective is to have... A, popular, a jobs based population surge of 10,000. Mm. Why are you trying to block that? Mm. And, you know, it doesn't make. Oh, oh, yes, and why are you running dead on the university being gutted and transferred to Tamworth? Mm. What, those things of themselves make no sense. But if, in fact, there is a perspective that nothing is worth fighting for north of Armidale, mm. then it makes perfect good sense. Mm. And uh, I think. 
I think Matthew Tierney is well worth an interview on that particular point to elaborate on it. I really do. Yes. Yeah, well, I think the... Well, I suppose speaking... No, I'll just... Yeah, I, I, I can only agree with you. I wrote, I wrote that paragraph and it's a summary of what... Um, Matthew Tierney's address was about. He yeah. actually presented a series of maps, and um, that those maps show a deliberate um, um, removal. Well, in fact, what Matthew showed was that the most recent maps that is coming out of the New South Wales government it would be the previous state government, not the current one. Yeah, um, yeah. Are, are actually have kind of whited out existing infrastructure. Yeah where services have been removed, but yeah. the actual infrastructure is being, is currently protected. Mm. And um, they're actually showing the whole of the incomplete inland rail line as if it is complete. And that is very much in the federal <coughs> sphere. And um, the latest, I, I, I understand there is a report to you next month from three people that have been appointed by the federal government to look into the route, the potential route of the inland rail um, after the Kerry Shot report. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so to map a thing that isn't um, and then not map a thing that is, Yeah, um, we're talking the thing being the railway lines, is, is somewhat peculiar well, and, and shows perhaps a, a disturbing bias. Well, I uh, some months ago, maybe 12 months well, ago... It could be said to show a bias, <coughs> yeah. yeah. 12 mm. months ago, we interviewed Tony Windsor about the inland rail. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and he... I won't quote him because... <laughs> uh, well, you can paraphrase, I guess, or yes, just represent but what... He, mm. he was truly disturbed by the route that the inland rail was taking. Mm. And he suggested, I, don't, I can't recall, I'd be putting words in his mouth if he suggested or rather whether I deduced from his suggestion mm. that in fact it had less to do with getting produce mm. from inland New South Wales to port faster because he said it doesn't stack up. Mm. And Because he was the member when it was first contemplated. He said mm. you've got to beat the cost the time that it takes for a truck to go from Melbourne to Brisbane that's mm. 24 hours you've got to beat that mm. so you can't be forever stopping offloading picking up or mm. because it'll take about three days well it was very much originally and that 24 hour limit was very much um, a fundamental it was fundamental mm. to it mm. that was the whole idea of it was to get of the feasibility the, yeah. the trouble with that of course is that there are 5,000 farmers out there in New South Wales on the western slopes who want to get this stuff to market so they can't stop 5,000 times mm. and, and beat that 24-hour deadline. Mm. That's the key. So he was actually suggesting, or I concluded from what he was suggesting, mm. that in fact it had more to do with Santos than it had to do with any farmers yes, around the place. Yes, I have, I have heard the suggestion that it's in fact a gas pipeline exactly, corridor. Exactly, that's um, what I've I heard. Have, I have heard that. I don't know whether it's a little bit... Um, Fantastical to suggest it, or but a it, conspiracy theory, possibly. But there, there is a view out there yeah. that this has got this may possibly be uh, mapping a gas pipeline rather yeah. than yeah. a rail corridor. But anyway, anyway. Mm -hmm. But anyway, let me move on to the bottom of page three. Another, yes. another very. I'm starting to get worried about this one. Oh. This is, it's if you're, you, we we did run a story once about the. Yeah, 
about uh, water inquiry, but so far the government is dragging its it seems, it seems to be dragging its mm. feet on a water inquiry, and uh, and I've I sent this copy off to the minister's office and received no reply. So I just wonder what's really going on mm. with the water inquiry. So there's a water inquiry that relates to uh, the protection of regional. Uh, water supply systems exactly. from privatisation. Yes, see, we, this was they, mm. they, the government didn't have the numbers in the upper house to get their proposal to enshrine in the con state constitution the protection of Sydney water and Hunter water from any future privatisation. Mm. So they did a deal with the crossbench, who was Mark Banasiak, and I mm. presume people like uh, Latham and those sort of people. So Mark Banasiak, MLC, fishes, he's from the Fishers, Fishers and Shooters, yep. MLC being member of the Legislative Council, That's so the correct. Upper House yes, and the yes, State yes, Parliament. Yes. Yep. Yep. And, and I presume people like Mark Latham and those people, mm. that they would, they would support the change to the state constitution to protect Sydney and Hunter water if, in fact, the, the, parliamentary, the government agreed to set up a parliamentary inquiry into other water reticulation authorities throughout the rest of New South Wales, mm. which they did. But the thing is that four months have now elapsed and mm. nothing, nothing's happened. Yep. So that's why that story is really about what Mark Banasiak thinks. Yeah, so that's a great little update on... Yeah. ..on... Um, uh, on, on, ..on where that's up to. So that's And fantastic. I wonder whether, in fact, because they sniff a drought on the horizon. Mm -hmm. They don't want to have any inquiry which has everyone clamouring for money to be spent post-haste to shore up uh, us against drought. Well, well it, it needs to be... I mean, I guess it's widely known that the water supply right across the state is a state issue. Exactly, not, it, it you know, is. Whilst local government um, does manage water distribution, if you like... The, the, the control water, of the water is the state. Is a state issue. Yeah, and the obligation to make sure that towns don't run dry yeah. is a state. Uh, well, they obligation. did last time. They stepped in and mm. made sure the gyre didn't run dry. Well, yeah. And if we turn to the back page, Virginia's done it again. She's no. done. She's I done love it. this article. It's a beautiful article, isn't it? It's mm. about West, the history of West Armidale, mm. and the star of the article. Is Lynn Mole, who used to run Lynn's Shoe Teak down in the mall. Yes, yeah, uh, I know she, Lynn. Yeah. yeah, she grew up in Crescent Street and then her family, uh, extended family, became licensees of the Railway Hotel and, mm. and she writes about what it was like with women, women rushing out to bring their, mm. their washing in before the steam trains arrived at the station. To get soot on their washing. <laughs> That's yeah, right. To prevent the soot getting on their washing. I love, I love this little bit about the circus animals. Yeah, the circus animals. And she's not the only person who's talked about this. And mm. it was an absolute wonder. Mm. These steam trains used to regularly come to town with giraffes and <laughs> what have you. Lions. 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 And then they used to... I didn't realise until Ginny, Ginny talked to Lynn yeah. that they used to park them in that what's now a playing field behind West Armadale Public School and that's where they used to birth them before they put them on Aww. on display and, and all the kids used to run along the fences looking over there and seeing all these lions and elephants and Aww. what have you in there. Yeah. It was absolute magic. But the, the wonderful thing about this, if you're a newcomer as, as I am relatively, 25 years, I think I'm still new, um, is that it, it's, a, it's a beautiful um, history of... A, a really vital part of Armadale, it which was, was the, the it was a very dynamic part of the, Armadale. The, industri the industrial, yeah. um, the manufacturing part, and I, I do know that I was taken on a tour um, 
many years ago, but it was just the most wonderful tour and told where all these factories work. Armadale yeah. was self-sufficient. Yeah, it was. It, um, back in the in the last century and the century before that, it was sort of from the 1850s onwards, there were, um, Armadale made its own power yep. and its own cordial, two or three bread places, Well, that, that, place, that block of land diagonally opposite where the library is now, mm. that was gas works. Yep. That was a gas works. And you can tell that, in fact, what was there was bigger than the building that's there now because it's the only building in Armadale that's got a huge grass huge verge around it. Huge curtilage, yes. Yeah, that's yes. right. And and the liveliness of that, and um, I mean, I'm I'm really promoting when I uh, talk about the convict exhibition that's at the yeah. Historical Society. One of the notable convicts was, I think it was John Trim, but anyway, a Trim, Mr. Trim, who came here as a convict and uh, made a made a bit of a fortune yeah. as a businessman here. And well, you can see in the top left-hand corner, there's mm. a photograph there of yes. a building with Trim and Co there, mm. and it's still there at the, at the bend in Crescent Street, except Sorry. now you can't get in it. It's entry is sideways. It's part of Freeman House. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But it's still there. So if you want to get a real, you know, insight into the, into the town within the town, there's West Armadale Precinct, which yeah. was just a magnificently active um, precinct on um, the back pages, and there's some lovely photographs as well. Lovely. Including elephants. There are indeed. There are two photographs of elephants in the streets of Armadale. Oh. And caravans, and uh, and see down the yeah. left hand side, there's a photograph of a steam train yes. pulling into Armadale Station. Yeah, yeah. No, and and all the facilities for steam are still there. Um, so, well, more or less, because we had a steam train a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, fueling up, and um, <clears throat> yeah. So. Uh, well, you mentioned really the convicts thing. That John Hoare, who did the. The, who curated the exhibition on West Armadale, curated the exhibition on convicts. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. He's, oh, a, he's a quite a notable fellow. Isn't that fantastic? Listen, um, I think this is, a, this is a really terrific issue. And, look, there's some hard-hitting stuff about the council, which I think everybody needs to, needs to read. Yeah. Um, it's another point of view. Yeah, it's, another, it's a point of view. And that's what is really needed, I think, in, the, in, the, um, in our community at the moment. Um, so, thank you so much. Hey, pleasure. It's right always a pleasure, Margaret. All right. And thank you. We'll look forward to you coming in same time next month. Yep. Pretty much to talk about the next edition. Look forward but, to um, it. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, John. Uh, sorry, Rod. I wish I was called John. Do then you I, really? Then I'd be President of the United States. <laughs>